0: So to get going today, I want to read you our scripture passage. This is from John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, and it's printed in your bulletin. It'll be up on the screen. This is Jesus talking, and he says this. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. Okay, let's pray. Lord, we come before you now. And Lord, as we venture into this series on worship, Lord, we are uh, we are treading, I think, on holy ground as we talk about the worship of you, Lord. As we venture into this subject of worship and today corporate worship, God, we are we are stepping into um, areas where angels uh, dare to tread. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord, understand who you are, God, that we would see you in your glory. And, Lord, that we would just naturally be people who respond in worship. Lord, help us be the house that you want us to be in terms of corporate worship. God, thank you for who we are already as worshipers. But, Lord, let us step into this more that you have for us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we get started today talking about worship, I want to say a couple of basic things about worship. And then we'll move into the corporate side of it. Uh, First thing I want to say is just the definition of worship. And what worship is, is in its most general sense, it is ascribing worth to something. All right, it is ascribing worth to something. Something that you value or I value and think is worthy, worship is giving and ascribing worth to that object. Now, for us as Christians, we worship Jesus. We worship God. We worship the living God, the triune God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We worship him because he alone is worthy. He is worthy of all worship, honor, glory, and praise. And so worship for the Christians is us telling and ascribing and giving God the worth that he deserves. That's the definition of worship. A definition specifically about worship I heard is, worship is an inward feeling and an outward action that reflects the worth of God. That is the definition of worship. And so that's what we are called to do, that's what we're seeking to be better at, is how do we... Better worship God and ascribe him worth. My old youth pastor growing up, he said that worship was giving God worth-ship. It's kind of a weird way to say it, but I remember that just kind of stuck with me, That's giving God the worth he deserves. Now, the second thing I would say about worship in general is this, is that each one of us is created to be a worshiper. Each one of us is created to be a worshiper. That the Lord created you and he created me for worship. I mean, that's the primary reason he created you, to be a worshiper. Lord knit you together in your mother's room. He made you alive to be a worshiper. And so that the highest occupation of your life and mine is to be a worshiper, and our highest calling and standing in life is to worship the Lord. But God has created us for worship. You know, a lot of times in the church we talk about maybe missions is the most important thing or prayer is the most important thing and different things, and those things are all great. But worship comes First. That we're made, we're created by God to be worshipers. And above everything else in your life and mine, we would worship Jesus. And that's why God's created us. And that's why he's created every person on the earth. If you're not a Christian, God has still made you for the worship of him. And for us who have been saved, we are worshipers. And God's desire is that all 7 billion people on earth would be the worshipers he's created them to be. But we're made for worship. Now, in terms of worship itself, there are a lot of different ways to worship the Lord. I mean, there's almost like an endless list. But in terms of worship, we worship God in how we love Him. We worship the Lord by how we love our neighbor. We worship the Lord in the way we serve Him and obey Him. We love the Lord in the way that we just treat people. You love the Lord the way you love and serve your spouse, the way you love and raise your kids. And the list goes on and on. Everything we do is to be worshiped. Paul said in 2 Corinthians or excuse, 1 Corinthians 10, Everything you do is to be for the glory of God, for worship. So we worship God, and we can worship God in everything. And so there's almost an endless ways to worship the Lord. But one of the primary ways, again, is corporately. When we come together here on Sunday mornings, this is one of the primary ways in which we worship, is when we gather together one heart and one faith, we come to exalt the name of Jesus together, that we come together as the corporate body in the house of the Lord. And so every Sunday morning, we gather in this room at 11 o'clock, just like we're doing right now. We come together, and we come to worship. We come to ascribe worth to Jesus, and we come to live out our calling to be worshipers. And we do this every Sunday morning. Now, if you've been going to church for any length of time, maybe this is your first time ever in church, or maybe you haven't been going that long, but for some of you, you've gone to church for a long time. I'm willing to bet almost 100% of the time that every single church service you've ever been to has had some element of worship in it. I'm 37 years old. I've been going to church my entire life. There's always been a worship segment like this, you know, where we sing and we, we love Jesus and we exalt him. And so we're all really familiar with worship, at least in terms of the construct. And I've never met a Christian who didn't know worship was important to some degree. I mean, I think we know like, yeah, we're supposed to worship but we want to make sure we really understand the fullness of corporate worship and how Jesus wants it to be. You know, I think sometimes for us, we can kind of fall into this trap of we know worship's important, but maybe we don't know quite all that it's supposed to be. Or the other side of the spectrum is we've worshipped for so long, and we like it and we do it, but we've kind of forgotten why we do it. It's just kind of we've been doing it for so long, it's just like, yeah, we worship, but uh, wait, what exactly is this and why? And so we want to make sure that we know what we're doing, that we know what the fullness of corporate worship is. And the most thing I would say is we want to know how Jesus wants our worship to be. So that's what we want to talk about today. So what I want to do is I'm going to read you a passage of Scripture, and we're going to talk about it and walk our way through it. And this um, passage of Scripture comes out of Revelation chapter 5. And so I'm going to read this to you, and again, it'll be up on the screen. It's not in your bulletin, but just—I'm going to read this, and there's— this is a really cool passage of scripture. There's going to be kind of some strange imagery in it, but just try to get a picture of this in your mind a little bit, and then we'll talk about it. But this is Revelation chapter 5. It says this, Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. They sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased men for God, persons from every tribe, And language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. And they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels. Numbering thousands upon thousands. And ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying worthy is the lamb who was slain. To receive power and wealth. And wisdom and strength. And honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped. I love that passage of scripture. That is incredible. Now, I'll be the first to say uh, it's kind of a strange passage of scripture. There's a lot of weird imagery in it, and I'll unpack it in a minute. But let me give you the context of what's going. The Book of Revelation is written by the Apostle John, and John was one of Jesus's disciples, and he was one of the inner three. He was one of Jesus's three closest disciples. He was one of the major leaders in the church. He wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote First, Second, and Third John, and the Book of Revelation. And what this book is, Revelation is, by the way, it's called Revelation, not Revelations. I hear people pluralize it all the time. It's like calling the book of Matthew, Matthews. It makes no sense. It's just a pet peeve of mine. I'm just throwing this out there for free. It's Revelation, singular. Okay. But John wrote this book. And what it is, is this this is this incredible vision through the Holy Spirit that John has from the Lord. It is about the end of the world and the return of Jesus. And John has this revelation about all that, and contained in this incredible revelation that John has, John gets to kind of have this vision of what's going on and what we read about in Revelation chapter 5. And so that's what we just read, but just know that this is a revelation from the Holy Spirit that the apostle John had. Now, like I said, there's a lot of strange stuff in this passage. I mean, it talks about Jesus, and he's got seven eyes and seven horns, and who are the living creatures, and who are the elders, and what are these bowls? whole I mean, I know there's a lot of bizarre stuff in here, and we don't have time to unpack it all today. That's another sermon. But what I want you to understand is this. What this passage is, I would say for us, is it's an amazing gift to us when we read it, because here's why. It's an amazing gift because we get this window into heaven and what's going on there. All right, here in chapter 5, we're given this window, and we get an actual look— and glimpse into heaven where Jesus lives, where we're all going when we die, we get a glimpse into what's going on there. So it's a pretty amazing thing. I mean, this is like, get peek behind the curtain, you know, backstage pass. This is incredible. We get to see what's in heaven. And the thing that we see going on there, the, it, this is incredible to me, what we see is worship. When we look into heaven and when we see it, we see worship. We see corporate worship taking place. all right. that's the window and the glimpse that John gets and he shares with us. When he sees into heaven and he sees this incredible worship service taking place because it described it to us. It says, Jesus is there. He's sitting in the middle of heaven. He's sitting on this throne and he is surrounded by all these different creatures, things he's created, and they're all worshiping him. We've got these four living creatures and if you you really want to just mess your mind up, go back to chapter 4 and read the description of the four living creatures. They are They look, they sound disgusting to me, but Jesus made them that way, so I guess they're cool. But I'm just telling you, they're there, and they worship Jesus. And then you've got these elders who are worshiping Jesus. And then he is surrounded by, it seems like, billions of angels, and everybody is worshiping Jesus. And that's what John gets to see, and that's what he just shared with us. We see this window into heaven, and what's going on there is this corporate worship service. Now, in and of itself, I think that's pretty cool. It's like, wow, okay, you want to know what heaven's like? Well, here's at least part of what heaven is like. just incredible worship service. But I want to say this, and there are a lot of different reasons why John is, uh, shares this vision with us and we get to see into heaven. But one of the reasons, and this is what is pertinent to us today, one of the reasons that this is shared with us is because we are supposed to see the worship in heaven because our worship here on earth is supposed to be like the worship in heaven. That how we worship here is supposed to be like the worship there. That the worship that takes place in heaven is the model and the template for us of how our corporate worship times are to be here on earth. That's what's going on. And that's one of the reasons that we get to see this glimpse into heaven, because how they worship there is how we're supposed to worship here on the earth. And that's what we get to see into heaven and what's going on. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse, excuse me, chapter 6 verse 10 i got it backwards he says on earth as it is in heaven jesus says on earth as it is in heaven and what he's telling us there is that for christians part of our job is to bring heaven to earth and to make this place not just this worship service but earth as much like heaven as possible and included in that is that our worship here would be like the worship there that we could say the worship at Martha Bowman, it is on earth like it is in heaven. That's what the Lord wants. And so when Jesus says, on earth as it is in heaven, just understand the principle of our job is to bring that realm into this realm, that this place would be like that place. And so that is included with our corporate worship. And so for us as a church, what we need to understand is Jesus wants our worship here to look like the worship there. And so our assignment is to make this worship time as much like heaven as we can, that we would worship like they do, and we would have worship that reflects and mirrors the worship in heaven. Revelation chapter five is not just a cool passage we're supposed to read, but we're given that window because what's taking place there is supposed to take place here when we gather for worship. And so just let's kind of wrap our minds around this. When we gather at 11 o'clock in here, our worship is supposed to be like the worship there. That's what God wants, that we could say, man, the worship at this church, man, it is like heaven on earth. That's what Jesus wants, and that's what he wants our worship to be like. And like I said, we've got really good worship here, but there is so much more for us. And we want to be the kind of church that can live this out and make this place like that place. So if we're to make this worship like that worship, we need to study what they do and implement it here. You know, we need to see what they're doing and then say, okay, how do we bring that into this time and this place? And so we want to go back to Revelation 5, and just I just want to note a couple of things. That if we want our worship here to be like the worship there, I would say there's three things we need from what they do, and who they are, and how they worship. And I would say this, we need to see what they see, and we need to know what they know, and then we need to do what they do. If we want our worship here to be like the worship there, we need to see what they see, we need to know what they know, and then we need to do what they do in heaven. First thing to say, we need to see what they see. We need to see Jesus high and exalted. In Revelation 5, they see Jesus in all of his glory, And we need to lift our hearts in faith and in worship and to see Jesus and encounter him in his glory and beauty. And when we see Jesus like he is through faith, we just naturally worship. That's what happens. You read Revelation 5, you read it um, in Isaiah chapter 6. It's the same thing. When we see God as he is, we worship. And so we need to see Jesus with our eyes of faith as exalted and as glorious as he is. The second thing is we need to know what they know. And what do they know in heaven? They know who God is, and they know what he's done. And when we know who the Lord is and we know what he's done, again, we worship. When we know God as he is, as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that he is the risen Savior, the Christ, the God above all gods, we, when we know that about him, again, we worship. And then when we know what he's done, how he has saved us and redeemed us and healed us, And he has brought us into his family, made us his children. When we know what God's done, again, we worship him. And that's what they know in heaven. They know who he is, and they know what he's done. And the last thing I would say is this. We need to do what they do. We need to do what they do in heaven. We need to worship like they worship. And I would say there's three things about how they worship that we want to more and more do here. Number one in heaven, nobody is a spectator in worship. Nobody is a spectator. Everybody and everything is in the worship, and they're into it. Doesn't matter if you're a living creature, elder, angels, everybody's into it. Nobody is a spectator. Um, I know for me, growing up for a long time in worship, I would go to the worship service, and I would just kind of watch. I would watch the band. Um, I remember, especially when I was young, our church had this amazing drummer, and I just liked to watch him. And I totally missed what was going on, that I was a spectator. And that we're supposed to not be spectators. That everybody is to be into the worship and involved. The second thing they do in heaven is everybody really worships with passion. And we need to be people who worship with passion. That we engage our hearts and really give the Lord our fullness of our love and devotion. That's what he wants from us. And we do that, but we can do it more. You know, in heaven, they are just giving Jesus all the love and worship they can. They're really expressing their passion. And that's what God wants for us, too. And thirdly, I would say in heaven, everybody, when they worship, okay, when no one's being a spectator and everyone is worshiping with passion, that there is a physical side to worship as well. That there is a physical side to worship. That when we worship, we are supposed to worship at times, express that with our bodies physically. That's how it's supposed to work. Um, I read that definition earlier about worship is an inward feeling with an outward action. And that if we're worshiping Jesus in our hearts, there should be, we're supposed to, from time to time, have some physical worship. Whether that's singing, closing your eyes, maybe it's raising your hands, kneeling, laying prostrate, whatever it is. There is a physical side to worship. You know, I think about all of us, I can't say all of you, but most of us, when we go to sporting events, for example... Um, it's kind of interesting to think about sporting events. So much of what takes place at sporting events, the way people get excited and no one's a spectator and we've all got passion and we're all into it, we want to take that, and we need to make it holy, but we want to take that into church, basically. You know, I mean, there are people I see who go to Georgia games, and I mean, they act like a maniac. They're so excited. But you bring them to church, and you just don't see that. And that's not wrong. That's not bad. I'm just saying... We, the things that we're talking about, we all do in different places, depending on the venue, and we want to make sure we're always doing it here when we gather. But worship is to be physical. You know, all the Hebrew words in the Old Testament for worship were all physical acts. You know, like the Hebrew word for worship, I think, means to raise your hands, and the word uh, to bless means to kneel. And so we just want to understand that there is a physical side to worship. Worship. And that Jesus likes it when we get into worship physically. You know, I thought about it. I was like, I have no idea why God likes it when we raise our hands. Like, I don't get it. Like, I don't know what doing this makes him feel good. But he likes it, so that's all I need to know. I mean, I don't get it, but he likes it. So I try to do it from time to time. But worship is to be physical. But those are the three things in heaven that we see. That we want to make sure we're living on here. That we know what they know. All right, I'm sorry that we see what they see We need to know what they know and we need to do what we do And if we'll really begin more and more to do these things and I believe we're doing these things now But we need to do more of them And if we will we'll really begin more and more to have more heaven Worship here in this place And this is the kind of church god wants us to be This is who the lord wants martha bowman to be I think we have started this but there's more and we want to step into that. And what's important to understand to kind of put all this um, kind of in context is this. I want you to understand when we gather on Sundays for corporate worship, the worship time is the most important part of the service. When we worship and we sing and we engage our hearts, that is the most important thing we do when we gather. It's not the sermon. It's not the fellowship. All those things are great, but the most important thing we do is when we worship together. That's the most important part of the service. And so because it's the most important part, we want to make sure we're doing it right and we're doing it well because it matters to Jesus. I remember for me when I was 19, I just got into college, and I grew up in a church that didn't really talk too much about worship. We had worship every week, and it was always good, but like I said, I like to watch the drummer, so I wasn't you know, really into the worship, I guess. But I remember when I got to college, and I went to the University of Georgia, and I went to this place there called the Wesley Foundation. And it was there that I actually began to learn about worship and really what corporate worship was, and that God wants our worship here to be like the worship in heaven. And when I began to learn that, I began to hear that, and, and just, I was like, okay, Lord, I think, okay, I need to do this. I need to start worshiping like they do in heaven. And I remember it was hard. I mean, this is seriously how I grew up, Okay. When we'd have worship in my church, this is how I worshiped. I just stood there, and I would sing. And so just the thought of raising my hands was terrifying. Because, and we all think, I'm, a lot of us think this, we think everybody's watching us in worship. If you, you ever thought that, you're like, oh, I don't want to do that, what if people see me? I promise you, nobody's looking at you. I promise you, nobody's looking at you. I used to think that all the time. I was like, oh my gosh, everybody's going to see me do this. I'm not that special. Nobody's looking at me in worship. All right, You are not that special, I promise you. You're special to God, but you're not so special that we're watching you in worship. I promise. All right? Don't take that personally. But I just remember when I stepped into this at 19, and I was terrified. I was like, all right, Lord. But I can tell you this. Through the grace of God, I was able to step into trying to be the worshiper God wanted me to be, to worship like they did in heaven. And I'll tell you this. Besides following Jesus, the best decision I ever made was to worship like this. Because it's what I'm made for. And nothing has changed my life more. I promise you. Because I am made to worship Jesus, and I'm supposed to do it the way he likes it. And when I started to try to do that, it was hard, and there were times it was scary. But it turned out to be the most fun, freeing thing I ever did. Because it's what I'm made for. And it's what we are made for. And so I just want to invite you to step into that today. Let's all step into that today. We all need to do that. And I know that many of you, I'm not saying we're not doing this, okay? Please hear me. I'm not saying that. We are, but there is more of it. And I know for some of you, you really try to live this out, and you try to worship what they do in heaven, and it's great. And maybe for you, you need to really take a step of faith and step into this. And I can tell you, like I said, for me, It was hard. It was the best decision I've ever made besides following Jesus because I felt like when I did, it was the first time I stepped into really living in Christ because it's what he made me for. And so I just want to invite you today. Today is about us as a church. Let's take that step. Let's take some steps into worshiping more like they do in heaven. We're doing it, but we can do more. And we want to step into that, that we would be that kind of church that the worship here would be more and more like the worship there. That's what the Lord wants for us. And I invite you to take it. So let me just say a couple things. In terms of taking a next step in worship. I don't know how each of you worship individually. That's between you and the Lord. But let me just say, in terms of taking a next step. You know, for example, if you come, and maybe you don't really sing, and you just you're just kind of here, you're not kind of into it yet, just to say, okay, your next step could be just start singing. Just take that step. For you, maybe if you sing, but you don't close your eyes yet, maybe just start closing your eyes as you sing and try to focus on Jesus. For you, if it's like, okay, you sing and you close your eyes, but you've never raised your hands, just start by raising one. If you raise one hand, go to two. Okay, just think about what you can do. What's that next step for you? What's that next step for me? Um, you know, I think about um, we all have different personalities, some of you are very outgoing and expressive people. Some of you are more reserved. That's okay. Some are extroverts, introvert. all that. That's cool. God's made you how he made you. And so what we want to do in, in worship, we have to find that balance of worshiping within how God made us, but also stepping outside of our comfort zone in worship. Never let your personality be a reason you don't worship. All right. Worship as God's made you, but also step out of your comfort zone a little bit, too, as the Spirit leads you, all right? This is who the Lord wants us to be. You know, Jesus loves our church, and he loves the worship here. And we've got really good worship. You know, I got an email, it was a few months ago, um, from somebody in our church, and they were visiting another church. And the the email was just kind of funny. This guy was telling me, he was like, I don't even remember the name of the church, but he was like, man, the worship in this church is terrible. I mean, it was, it was just kind of a funny email. And he was like, I'm so grateful for how Martha Bowman worships, and I am too. And I know the Lord loves it. But there's more, and we want to step into that today. We want to step into that. And so today, what we're going to do is this. In just a second, the band's going to come up, and we're actually going to do a couple more worship songs. You know, we don't want to just talk about worship and just head out the door, but we want to talk about worship and then have a chance to Implement and do some of what we talked about today. And so I'm going to go ahead and invite the band up. You guys can get ready. And we're going to worship for a few more songs. And then we'll dismiss y'all at the end. But we want to take some time to be this kind of church that God has called us to. And for you, what is that next step maybe in worship you can take? What can you do? The Lord loves your worship, He loves my worship, but there's more, I think, for all of us. And we want to step into that today. And so as we worship during these three songs, I just want to invite you, think about what you can maybe take your next step, maybe take a couple of steps, and let's really ascribe and love Jesus as best we can through the Holy Spirit to worship like they do in heaven. I'll close with this. The scripture we read at the beginning from John chapter 4, it talked about God is looking for worshipers. And any time you see a verse in the Bible that says God is looking for this, You want to note that verse. You want to underline it. You want to write it down and live it out. Anytime it says God is looking for so-and-so in a person, that's a verse you and I need to know. And it says God is looking for worshipers. He's looking for it. And we want to be the kind of church where God finds them. And so I invite you today, what is your next step in worship? Forget about the people around you. Forget about where you're going to lunch. Forget about what you've got to do this afternoon. I'm sure you've got a long to-do list. What is your next step? And today, let's worship like they do in heaven. And let's worship in spirit and truth. So I'm going to pray for us. Um, I'm going to invite you guys to go ahead and stand up, if you would. And I'm going to pray. And after I pray, the ushers are going to come take our offering. And then we're just going to worship for a few songs. And so... We just want to live this out. So let me pray for us.